When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I hope you're enjoying your week. I hope, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. There's so many freaking podcasts out there, but you choose this one. Or maybe uh, you're, you're tuning in for the guests. But regardless, I'm glad you're tuning in. And I hope that you continue to listen and maybe subscribe after the podcast is over. We've had a lot of great guests. Uh, I think what you get here with this podcast is intimate conversations, real conversations. It's not like two actors are talking about actory shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to get deep. And uh, I like to uh, talk about real, real things, mental health and, and all that stuff and careers and, you know, what makes people tick, facing adversity, all that stuff. So if you like the show and you hear that noise in the background, that's, uh, that's the gardener. And uh, he wanted to be included in this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, good to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah, it's always a treat. Uh, I know you've had a day. I've had a day. Yeah, we both kind of. We're, I'm just we're, a lot of it. We're kind of going through the motions today. It sort of felt like when I walked in. Yeah, just feel like it feels <laughs> like you're going through the motions. And uh, but hey, man, say your gratitudes every day. That's what gets me through. Is just waking up and saying, "Hey, I'm grateful. I'm alive here today, folks. We're alive. We're doing it. We're really doing it." As my friend Tom Lally says, "We're doing <laughs> it, dude. We're really doing it." <laughs> just continue doing it, man. For me, all right. Do it and do it for you. Uh, I'd like to say before we get into this great guest, Anthony Michael Hall, um, I have a stage it, two performances coming up November 20th, 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can go to sunspin.com. The name of the band is Sunspin. We have two shows, Ryan, 2 p.m., 6 p.m., virtual shows. You could watch, you could bid, tip, whatever you want, and just prizes and Zooms to be won, to be had. It's a lot of fun. My my band partner, Rob Danson, and I. In fact, Tom Lally, my old band member from Left on Laurel, is going to join us. So November 20th, get tickets. You can go to stageit.com or sunspin.com. And also, uh, briefly, I'd like to mention a charity that I'm a part of, Echoes of Hope. Um, for the next month or two, Echoes of Hope is hosting a holiday event for under-resourced children, teens, young adults, Roughly 300 students will be supported this December, and if they want to purchase a gift or two, if you you guys would like to purchase a gift or two, you can visit our wish list on Amazon by going to at our Echoes of Hope, that's at O-U-R, Echoes of Hope, on social media. These are students who a lot of times do not have a family, so they oftentimes spend the holidays alone, and it can be a very lonely time for them, so we host a holiday party to make the holiday season special for them. Visit echoesofhope.org to learn more. Uh, There's a bunch of different options for giving on the donate page. So I'd like to uh, just a little shout out to Echoes of Hope, my wonderful charity that I'm on the board for. And uh, uh, if you want to follow us, by the way, or write a review, please do so. Please subscribe. And Ryan, tell them the handles they could follow us on the Insta. They can go to at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Inside of You Pod on Twitter. That is correcto mundo. That's it. That is right. Um, yes, I appreciate all you guys. I appreciate all my lovable patrons who, uh, give to the podcast a little bit more and it helps the podcast survive. So I could pay amazing people like Ryan and Jason and Bryce 
And uh, all you do is go to patreon.com slash inside of you, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash inside of you. You can give back. There's also different tiers and things that you can get and enjoy. And it's become a big family. People have become friends. There's a lot of people that have really united and become lifelong friends. And it means a lot to me. And it means a lot to me that they, uh, they donate and they give back to the show. And if you feel like doing so, feel free, patreon.com slash inside of you. Right now, this guest is, uh, I was excited to talk to him, mm -hmm. Anthony Michael Hall. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, name a movie, Vacation, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, uh, Johnny B. Good, Edward Scissorhands, and his new movie, uh, Halloween Kills, with Jamie Lee Curtis, directed by David Gordon Green. I'm very excited. Um, it's a really fun movie. It's really fun, action-packed. It's perfect for the holiday. You got to see it. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him and he was open and I was nervous because I like to geek out and I like to talk about, you know, the old movies and the old, the old days. And what'd you think? Uh, I think you restrained yourself. I think it was good. I think he was happy to talk about everything, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. He really opened up. I asked him some, some good shit. I think you're going to enjoy this and please spread the word to subscribe to the podcast. And without further ado, let's get inside of Anthony. Michael Hall. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. We're talking about age right now. We just, uh, we're here with Mike. We're here with Anthony Michael Hall. But you like Mike. Yeah. You go as Mike. I do, bro. Yeah. Your whole life, you go Mike. Yeah. Now so it's like the Bob version of whatever my three names is. Well, it just sounds so easy, right? Yeah. You don't want people going Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want like, it's Mike. I'm Long, just Mike. That's it. You know, Long name, short story. Yep. Is this is this your first <laughs> horror film? Halloween Kills. This is. You know what I did? A, I did a zombie flick um, about ten years ago with Daryl Hannah, and and I worked with this company, The Asylum, do Sharknado and all yeah. that. They're great. They were a lot of fun. But that was just, I don't even, I still don't know what happened. It took like two and a half weeks. It was one of those. You know? Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but this one, dude, I've never been more pumped. We shot this movie two years ago in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and everybody was fucking great. Um, David Gordon Green, Danny McBride. Who does mostly comedy. And Danny McBride, who I've, you know, I've auditioned for. Me too. And Before love this. Yeah. 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 And he's a great guy. But you don't think of these guys as writing horror or directing horror. Exactly. And so, but when you watch, like all my friends and I for Halloween, I'm a big horror movie fan. If you yeah. haven't noticed, by all yeah, the yeah. fucking horror movies in here. <laughs> but like we were watching all the Halloweens, and I've noticed, with the exception of a couple, they're mostly shit. They're not that. They're not really yeah. good movies. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, it turned with David Gordon Green's movies. That's how I felt like it. Just all of a sudden, the quality is like, well, where, where did this come from? Yeah. Let's tell a story and let's. Uh, it just got, got better and better. So it's got to be fun to be a part of that, like that creative crew. Definitely. And when this came up two years ago, I'm with uh, these great guys at Untitled, Jason Weinberg and Mitch Mason. They called me and I just initiated. I said, listen, I'd love to get together with David, meet with him. He came to town because those guys live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, so you South wanted Carolina. you wanted to get with him first. Yeah, you you liked this meeting. guy and you wanted to meet him. Totally. So before the uh, before I did the screen test, I met with the, him on uh, La Cienega somewhere, a hotel he was staying at, and he was just a great guy, man. He shows up, he's wearing like a Bob Seger t shirt, talking on you know, first name basis with the bartender, <laughs> right? And he was just super chill, and he we talked about it. We talked about his process. 
um, and how he and Danny moved back east with their, you know, with their families and their wives, and they just kind of regrouped. But also, he mentioned how they set their life up. They did all these great shows on HBO that we all loved. You know, he's and, uh, down, man. Dude, one of my vice principal, all that stuff. Yep. I mean, great work. And then uh, at this point, they had, I think Halloween was out for about a year or so. So, uh, you know, that was it. And then after that, I did the screen test. I went in. just So you, you, know. you auditioned still? I did. But I just met with David first, which was great because we had about an hour to kind of shoot the shit and just talk about process and what he wanted to do and what his objectives were and the whole thing. Great guy, man. He actually reminded me a lot of John Hughes, Mike. Really? Yeah, dude. Because he's super chill. Very down to earth. Very easygoing. And even when we got on the set, his process was great, man. He was very collaborative, truly like kept the dialogue going, got ideas from everybody. He's not up to So you, you had an idea. Oh, He'd totally. So let's try it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also like John, it's that thing of you work with so many directors, two great ones. Um, you do two or three takes the way it's written, and then we digress. You know, if it's if it's cool, if not, you move on, you know. But he was great, man. He was really great. Jeez. Is it, have you seen yeah. the movie? Oh, yeah. It's fucking, it's kick-ass. I love it. Is it violent? Incredibly. Probably more than the Ooh. other 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not that I'm saying I love violence, but when it this comes to- This is what to- we want, right? <laughs> That's why we have rooms like this. <laughs> but, but by the way, when you're watching a Halloween movie, you want to see the kills. You want to see Dude. this shit. And you never see them. Like, they get, it got weaker and weaker as the series went along. So now we see a lot of deaths. And listen, people love this guy. Myers is- I mean, I thought there were about 20 of these films relative to Freddy and, you know, and right. Nightmare and all these things. Incredible. How do you win when the when the hero's the villain? And he just goes off, dude. It just Myers is going. I don't want to spoil anything, but he just goes right the fuck off. Dude, look what he got me. <laughs> look what look what he brought me. He brought me a Halloween kill shirt. I got one from Ryan too. I got one for you. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. With you. Anthony on the shirt there. Oh yeah. Make these that. up. Not bad, huh? Do you play a badass in it? Okay, so here's the thing. In the in the mythology of of the series, in the 78 film. 43 years ago, Kyle Richards and Brian, I don't know the cat's last name. He, They were the two kids, Tommy and Lindsay, that, right. that Jamie Lee babysat. So there's an arc there. It's interesting. So in the original film, his his character was bullied by Lonnie Elam, one of the other kids. And uh, he's also the one who says to Jamie Lee in the original film, you can't kill the boogeyman, right? So he's kind right. of like starts that whole mythology. So what's really cool, listen, the last one was phenomenal. It was great. It made $255 million. They did a great job. So this picture takes up right where the other one left off, Mike. It picks right. up Halloween night. They've just set him on fire. And of course, he exits the fire and comes after the town. Of course. So, yeah. <laughs> and so you, and the town kind of forges together. That's right. Yeah. And it's kind of a, all a fuck fest. Well, here's what's happening. Here's what's great. Yeah. So in this one, the movie opens. We shot this really cool bar, uh, bar called The Rusty Nail right in Wilmington. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and the movie opens, it's the same night and, and all the, uh, the locals and the own neighbors have gathered together and they're kind of commiserating about having been survivors and victims and all that. Like and him. then he cuts loose. Then it comes up on the TV, local news, Myers, uh, Myers is on the loose again. And then it kicks off from there and it just kicks ass, man. It's really great. The I'm excited about great. this. Yeah, man. I want you to see it. You're going to love it, dude. Well, we have to watch. So in order we have like right now, we have two Rob zombies and then we go into the David Gordon green, which I've seen the first one, but we, then we're going to watch it right through Hollywood kill. So we're going to, we're going to be watching this great by the end of next week. I'll have all of them. Oh, good. Good. So I, I urge you guys to watch it. It's Halloween for God's sakes. Yeah. It's Anthony Michael Hall. It's David Gordon Green. It's it's <laughs> it's you know, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I look at all this stuff. By the way, the test screen, when you mm. test screen for 
And you've test screened many times in your life. Yeah. We all have. Yeah. What is it? Is it just you and David Gordon Green and some producers? Is it, what are they? What, no, you know they, what? You know how, how Blumhouse, Jason Blum's brilliant, right? So he set up his office. It's great. It's on in the mid, it's on Melrose, I think, or Olympic, all the way, almost towards downtown. Got a great office. His whole company is there. Obviously, it's a universal company, but. So I went there, did the audition with the casting ladies that are set up there in office. Right. Um, and just, you know how it is, man. You just prepare, do your thing, and just lay it out there. Are you fun. still good with lines? Are I'm you getting good? old now. I got readers. Now I have readers. It's great. You got uh, the readers? Sure. You got, no sure. contacts. You got yeah. the readers. I got the readers. I'm, yeah. I'm weekly I'm readers. I'm with the readers on my head, Ryan. You'll see, kid. You got 20 years to get to your 50s. Best. <laughs> you son of a bitch, You're, Ryan. It's good to be young. Huh? Yeah. Enjoy that dark hair now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Christopher Reeve over here with the dark hair. <laughs> uh, no, but it was just great, bro. So I just really went all in. You know, I just have, because that's the thing. Like, I don't know how you work. I want to hear about your process. For me, if it's a comedy or something dramatic or whatever, you just make the audience your, I mean, the crew your first audience. So same thing in the context of an audition, right? It's the women or the gentlemen in the, in the room. Sometimes, as you know, they're great directors. They can really be helpful. So we just had a you know a couple of scenes that were in the film, and I just brought you know brought it, did whatever. Did I you do. have to go nuts at all? Oh yeah, totally. Like where you just lose your oh, shit. Dude, you got to see the movie. We're gonna have to do a part two. Schedule me. In for we'll a part do two. schedule a part we're two. Do here. Part two I, I, I love hearing this stuff. I yeah, love yeah. hearing about what you do in an audition. And do you just <laughs> let go? Are you are you good at letting go? Yeah, man. I think it was important for this because I the thing that I loved and I realized when I got to Wilmington is that David, you know, he had this kind of hero's part for me. David and Danny gave me this great role, and Jamie Lee and Jason Blum. So Tommy is kind of like the eye of the storm, man. He kind of goes after, you know, Myers and he just, like I told you, the way the movie opens. But in fairness to all the other actors, Michael, it's a great arc that he gives us all. Everybody goes, okay, fuck this. We're going to unify. We're going to fight. We're going to go forward. And Nobody so, has an arc in Halloween movies yeah, or slasher films. So no the shit. fact that you're you just having meet. a little arc here, yeah, anybody yeah. has an arc is good. You're just set up to be carnage. That's C-A-R-N-A. <laughs> You know, I, I look at this, I look at your body of work, and it's it, it's crazy. I know you've, you've heard it a million times, but like Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Weird Science, Edward Scissorhands, Pirates of Silicon Valley, which as Bill Gates, you were just fucking genius. Thanks, I remember seeing that going, this guy should be in everything. <laughs> you know, uh, 61, where you play YD4, Dead Zone, the series, you worked with my friend Sean Piller. Great guy. We have mutual friend, Sean. Yep. Great guy. You got to direct an episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've done so much. Now, is it, do you, how much do you hate talking about the past going into like the past because i mean it's it's part of your part of the present you know what michael i've always been open to it i embrace it because had i not worked with hughes as a kid i wouldn't be sitting here man so i'm always like just the opposite man i'm happy to discuss john hughes i mean the guy was a genius I love when we were kids stuff. i was a, you know he was like a big brother to me yeah you yeah, yeah well, i loved you, him man i still miss him really i do I, I, I want to get into all that stuff. Sure, but like man. your mom, your mom raised you. How long is this? Is this three hours? Three no, it's less than an hour. I can't talk more go? than an hour. We're already, lunch, we're already ten minutes I'm, in. I'm middle aged. I don't know how long you. Are you already hungry? Me. No, I'm good. Just you good? The coffee's not enough. <laughs> but coffee's like, good. Inside of you is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? 
Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play, and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes. With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required, free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code inside that's nutrifall.com promo code inside inside of you is brought to you by factor i love factor meals ryan do you know this yes why do you know this because i've seen them in your fridge and you've offered me some and you've had them and i've had them and you love them i do because i asked you every time mm-hmm. um Look, I spent an enormous amount of money using delivery services for food or going grocery shopping and never eating the food that I buy or too many leftovers. And it's just, I waste so much money. And, you know, Factor Meals has really changed my life in a lot of ways because they have so many different meals, like 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. And it takes just two minutes. So it doesn't matter how busy you are. It's two minutes to cook this stuff. You always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And that's what Factor does. Um, I, I, I just can't get over all the things they have, like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, um, their breakfast items, everything, dessert. It's, it's perfect for my lifestyle. And I think it's perfect for a lot of lifestyles. Um, yeah, you can crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Keep kitchen time to a minimum. Factor meals are ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Warm, sunnier days are calling, Michael. Well, yes, they are. Fuel up for them with Factor's No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. It's pretty incredible. Head to factormeals.com slash inside50 and use code inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code inside50 
at factormeals.com slash inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor Meals. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Senolytic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synaletic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I wouldn't have believed it. But uh, I tried quiacinolytic, and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And... You just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Quiacinolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that. And uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this. So that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. But your mom raised you. She did. I grew up in Manhattan, New York City. My mother remarried. She was a single mom until I was about 12. And she married my stepfather, who was a great guy. Uh, he passed on a couple of years ago, my father. Sorry. Thank you, brother. Yeah. And uh, Tom. Just Darrell, my stepfather. So he was a great guy. So, you know, I had the benefit of kind of both. I was the son of a single mom. I also had a nuclear family, that kind of thing. East Coast upbringing, New York City. My company is Manhattan Films, and, and I've been developing projects for years, um, you know, working on different things that I'm trying to set up. So I, I consider New York a great teacher, man. That's why yeah. you know, it was everything to me. It was really, because I sucked in school. How were you in school, right? Were you any good? Bees. So Barely. I was C's like, and D's. That was me I was too. colorblind. I was slow. I was ADD. I couldn't keep my shit together. I didn't think I was going to amount to much of anything. Thank you. I my combined <laughs> score, my SAT, I think was four hundred. It's embarrassing. It was kind of. But it doesn't mean. Did you it think didn't mean shit? Did, when you grew, when you were growing up, did you think you were dumb? Did you feel dumb? No, I didn't feel dumb. I just was very. I, I couldn't deal with school. It just bored the shit out of me. It was cool to meet girls and and go to gym and lunch and that was about it. Did you get girls student. at a young age? Oh, I had some dates. 
Really? Yeah. Because, you know, you watch your persona as a young kid on, and you're like, this guy's funny. He plays a, a geek just amazingly. He's lovable. But did you milk that? Was that kind of like you were the funny guy? Oh, I don't always... know if I milked it. I mean, I think I just had fun. I was one of these kids. Like, I don't know who you were growing up, but I was doing shows for my family. I, you know what I mean? I do. I'd imitate my aunts and uncles and, and play funerals and weddings. And you know what I mean? So that's how Are I you started. Serious? No, I swear to God, you know, never having been a, a, a stand up. That's how I think I started my family. Definitely, man. I was imitating aunts and uncles. and That's what I was doing. Were you? Same was, thing, right? My parents would go out to dinner and they'd come home and they'd say, how was SNL? And I would go, oh, well, you know, Tommy Finnegan, uh, I would say goes- And do the sketches, or, right? Or I would do, and I would do all the sketches. Yeah. You look absolutely marvelous. marvelous. I would do that. I go, my yeah, daddy yeah. always told me, Fernando, it's better to look good than to feel good. <laughs> and I would do the church lady. Hello again. It's the church lady. This yeah. is the church chat. And yeah. I would do that and I would reenact it. And I think my parents just thought, what's wrong? I don't know what's what's going on with him. Yeah. This is the only thing he can do. No, I'm with you, man. In the 70s, I remember like you'd have to stay up late to watch SNL, man. It was like a treat, you know? So yeah. I, I grew up watching all that, that first cast. I mean, I was very young. I'm 53 now. But it meant so much That's to me young, growing by up, the man. Way. That's young. Thanks, 53. brother. Come on. 53 yeah, yeah. is young. No, it is. It is young. I didn't say it was old. He's just jumping in. He's not sure. That's what yeah. it's well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. You're right there. No, but honestly, you know how it is. It was a very important show, you know? And and I've always loved comedians and stand-ups. I mean, my heroes growing up were Carlin, Richard Pryor. Oh, yeah. Then I studied Lenny, and you know what I mean? And I and I have nothing but love for comics, man. That's a tough life. It is. It is. But I love them. So and SNL was just a great experience. I mean, the year I was on sucked, but it was a great what do you mean? It's like I saw, I was watching an old clip of when you guys were doing the armpit farts and you're, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're reviewing the book with Robert Downey Jr. And you're sitting there going, yeah, this guy was pretty much. Right. And the Except, writing was you. pretty much. Thank you. You know, yeah, look at he's good at that. Yeah. And you were doing armpit farts and he's making, and I just thought it was hilarious. That's I never, I, that was my best shit at 17. That's all I could come up with. But I hear that you were, you said this in a recent interview that you were scared as shit the entire time. Oh, totally. For the reasons, because of the context I gave you before, you know, it meant so much to me. And then the Eddie Murphy years, I'm in high school watching him and then Piscopo and, and Crystal after that. I loved all those guys, man. So after I agreed to the show and I got the, you know, the call from Lauren. What year was that? 85, right after I'd done Weird Signs. And it was just incredible. I remember saying yes and then walking around the city like, what the fuck did I just But most people to? don't – usually Lauren <laughs> hires people when they're nobodies. Yeah. So all of a yeah. sudden you've got a couple of hit movies yes. and now they're bringing you on SNL. Isn't that odd? I had the good fortune of working for him like many of us. Obviously, it's an institution now, four decades and running. He's an incredible guy. You know, He really knows his stuff. So it was a great training ground. And yeah, you're right. Usually comics or, or, or people that do Second City or right. Citizens Upright Brigade, you know, improv yep. actors – so I felt very fortunate. It wasn't lost on me even as a kid, but uh, just a great experience, man. It's fun. What even when, it it's, like, even yeah. when you don't have a great sketch, it's great, man. It's a lot of fun. What was it like, like the days leading up when you're in rehearsal, when you're doing all these things? Are you still, are you nervous every day? Well, let me tell you the schedule. First of all, we'd come in on Monday. I'm sure you've talked to people who have been on right, I, I want to hear it. Yeah. So you come in on Monday, you start writing, you start pairing off and kind of going into people's cubicles, not unlike 30 Rock, that environment, right? And then the show's written the next two days. Everybody works around the clock. They woodshed. They do their thing. They write sketches. Wednesday at like noon, you turn in your sketches. And you are you writing at this yeah, young age? Yeah, I was. I was. How I was. old are you? 17. 17. You're already writing. Yeah. Because I realized no one gave a shit. And if I didn't, I, you know, I wouldn't probably. You would perform. Yeah. But what was really cool was Lauren fostered this environment where he would set, you know, like, go speak to Don Novello, you know, or go, go. he would pair us with these legendary great writers, man. So we wouldn't. You know, he would encourage that process and we'd have to kind of make the rounds and go right. around, you know. So anyway, back to the schedule. We shoot, we write Monday through Wednesday. You turn in the sketches and then we do a read through about three o'clock. And then what, what Lauren does is he invites the cast and crew in 
and he kind of sits at the head of the table. Whatever gets the best laughs, he starts, you know, itemizing all the sketches. And then he right. goes back to his office. The cork board with the index cards, three half hour columns, figures it out, you know. And then Thursday through Saturday, around the clock rehearsals. It's like 12 hours a day. So people, I mean, I, I have nothing but love for everybody who's worked on the show. And so many great women and men. I mean, honestly, I think there have been even more great women on the show over the yeah. years. But so many great people, man. So that's how it goes. It's like a six-day-a-week job, man. And when you go live, when you're ready for that Saturday night live, when oh, they say it. That's the rush. Is, is, that, the, is that the rush? Is oh, that literally. The... No, it literally is like a visceral. It's a rush. How many shits do you take before a show? I take at least three. At least three shits. Shit. That's, yes. that's yes. what yes. I'm And we do assuming. the show twice, so that's six shits. Per show. Six <laughs> shits. Write that down. Six shits. Did you have things that were cut out of rehearsal? Well, I think that's part of the the impetus for why he does it you know he tapes certain things like they tape that whole show we do it twice right you know so they bring in an audience at, at uh what is it seven thirty eight o'clock we do the whole show live soup to nuts top to bottom and then they kick that audience out they bring another audience in and then we do it again live amazing so it's twice oh you know on saturday you do it and you work you had, you had these guest stars come in these these uh, the big actors yeah who was the one that you remember that you were like, oh shit, look who's going to be on SNL? Well, this you week. know what? It was all kinds of people. The year I was on, it was, we had, you know, Madonna, Oprah. I mean, it was just all these people. Uh, Billy Martin, the former manager for the Yanks. Wow. Uh, Marvin Hagler. This is the mid 80s. Marvelous you know? Marvin yeah. Hagler. Who was the biggest pain in the ass? Madonna uh, had to be. Probably me at the time. Yeah, probably me. How were you a pain in the ass? Well, I wasn't asked back, so let's just deduce. Were you? No, I wasn't. You were, you were a nice guy. I was a nice guy, but I wasn't as back, Ryan. <laughs> but Madonna. Madonna was cool, man. Madonna was great. Was she, she was, like, I love you, I love you? No, none role? of that. No, no. She no, was super that. cool. She was really very sexy, very professional, very serious, focused. Petite. She is short. She's very petite, Ryan. Very short. Short girl. No, she was awesome, though. Honestly, everybody was good on the show. I mean, the, the hosts were... And there was that thing of, like, they would cater to the host. We would kind of write for the host. And there was that emphasis, which was important. But just the fun of it, man. It's like a six-day-a-week job. Unbelievable. Were you hard on yourself? Oh, yeah. You know, I still am. We all are in this crazy yeah. business. You know what I mean? But like we're saying, like the doing of it was great. The actual, you know, everything that led up to that hour and a half. Incredible, man. And fun. you could have you go, could you have gone more than one year or you just wanted to, you know, you wanted to move on? To be honest, I don't think Lauren wanted me back. I mean, I, I, I had just, uh, I am being honest. Um no, he was great. I looked up to him, but you know, I don't know if he felt it was the right fit or what have you. And I was just trying to, you know, make my way. And I was also a wild kid. We were out, you know, partying throughout the week. You were a partier. <laughs> you were a partier. Well, I think as a kid, I, I definitely was probably boozing it up more than I should have. Oh, I think I think we, we all probably did. all did. Yeah, we all did. Ryan, are you doing it now? Ryan? I'm doing it now. In your youth, currently. Yeah, before yeah, before again. <laughs> Ryan, you microdose before a show, or <laughs> he microdoses before every podcast we do. I do. I do six shits and six shots before every uh, every podcast. Six shits, <laughs> six shots nice. for the show. Very nice. Now, before all this happened, like if we go way back, I mean, you were like the honeycomb kid. You oh were doing gosh. commercials. I mean, seriously, yeah, you were yeah. you were doing like. Were your, was your mother surprised because she was a singer? By the way, do you sing? I do make music. I haven't in years, but I love to make music. I play a little guitar and bass and, you know. Why don't you ever it. record something? I did years ago, and I'm actually working with a guy. I have a business partner named Jason Maris, a great guy, and we are working on stuff. We actually just produced a song we sold to uh, Machine Gun Kelly, actually. So Get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm working on music still. And you yeah. sing? You're singing in the yeah, song? Yeah, I mean, right now, well, yeah, I am. Yeah, but right now, we're just kind of tracking stuff, and he's really good. He's This guy's had like 35 top 100 oh, hits. Yeah, he's written for dude. The Weeknd, a lot of people. He's great. So that's fun. I still like doing it, you know? Yeah, of course, man. I think I always wanted to be a rock star. 
And I was always like, yeah, you don't have the voice, you don't have the musicianship. And then one day I said, fuck it, why am I so worried about everybody else? You know, why don't I just do it? Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. has been the best, most amazing experience to just make a CD. Great. Make a CD, make an album, <laughs> make a tape. He thinks it's the 90s, right? He's talking about CDs. for sure. Did he get rest last night? What's going on with Rosenbaum? <laughs> a CD. But, I made an eight track and I brought it to you. <laughs> but like you, you're doing all this stuff. What was, you know, and your mom's singing and she's taking care of the family pretty much. She's supporting you. She was until she met my, my father, you know, my stepfather when I was about 12 and they had my sister. My sister's an incredible artist. Uh, she goes by Mary C and the Stellar. She has a great band in New York city. She's incredible. She's a mother now, but she's an incredible artist. She went the route of making music. You check her out on YouTube. My sister. Yeah. yeah she's produced about five or six albums. So I'm going to blow up my sister. Yeah. But so I think it was just that thing, Michael, of like growing up in the city, man. That was why I was a great teacher. I saw everything was possible. You're, you're around so many different things, so much culture. Um, just the city, what it represents, man. It was like incredible growing up in New York. Did you have this innate confidence? Do you think you had at a young age that you were like, you look back and go, God, I wish I had that confidence. Because I, I do. I feel like I, I wish I had the confidence I did when I was younger. I just right. didn't take no for an answer. I didn't give a shit. That's it. And, yeah. But I think yeah. when you grow up, you start to give a shit more. No, that's a great point. I had the similar perspective on it as a kid. Yeah. You're kind of just fearless and then you learn the craft and it beats you up to business and you just have to, then I think you you're, you you create or you get to those critical po po you know places where it's like, do I really want to do this? And you have to really decide to reinvest and keep going. But absolutely, man, you have to have a thick skin. You got to be determined. You got to be kind of crazy, right? And those were in that regard. You do. You, you know, and I had that same, you know, mindset that you did. So you just, you, you didn't care or you cared, but you just said, I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. And I think, like you said, as we get older, you become more self-conscious in some ways, maybe and that's all whatever, but then you kind of unlearn that stuff. Just depends on the work. So I just, I, I've always just looked at it like, you know what? No one's going to take this from me. I'm going to keep working and just keep developing over time, you know, and mixing yeah. it up. Cause you know how it is. We don't have the luxury of picking projects necessarily. It's not what people think, you know, it's yeah. a lot of year round hustle. Was your mom yeah. always really proud of you? Do you remember like her yeah. being you know, always yeah. like, you know, saying, hey, I'm really proud of you doing great. Oh, no, Did totally. you get that kind yeah. of thing at home? Oh, definitely. No, I had great support from my mother, my father and my sister, you know, and I think that kind of Northeast upbringing really served me well, you know. And you're always funny at home, yeah. too. You're always I kind was. of cracking always, jokes. Yeah, always... <laughs> yeah. Just to get out of shit or make up for bad grades or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I was a goofy kid, man. I was always. And popular? Around. Were you popular in no, school? No, no. I mean, well, don't forget, like when I was in high school, I went to work. So I, there was no real, you know, I went to high school until about ninth grade and then I was busy with Hughes, you know. What was the first one? So I never experienced like popular in high school. I don't know what that was. You don't know what popular was. <laughs> no. I don't know. But you, we were talking to someone who doesn't know what popular is either. <laughs> never, never was popular. Shortest kid in my high school. Were you? Didn't start puberty till I think my junior year. I got some hair on my balls. I used to pray at night <laughs> to God, please give me hair on my balls or under my armpits. Very nice. For, I didn't get that. Does that make you uncomfortable? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay, good. I okay. had hair on my balls by uh, about 18, 19. No, 12, 13. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first first big role, the first thing you did? Well, you know what? Thinking back, talking about my early childhood as a kid in New York, I auditioned, this is how old I am, On Golden Pond. You auditioned for On Golden Pond? So what was this movie? Like 1970? Yeah, 80, 78. So, right. So that, I was about eight years old. I'm, I'm in this game 45 years, man. Wow. So, yeah. And I remember not getting the part, and I had a great exchange with Mark Rydell, who was so cool, even to me as a little kid. Because I remember him breaking the news to me, basically saying, no, it's not going to work out. And they hired Doug McKean, who was the kid in the film. 
So that's how far I go back, you know. And then I did commercials and it was just kind of like a hobby that spun, you know, into some work. So the first big one to your question was like vacation, Chevy Chase and, and what was what was that audition like? Do you remember auditioning for that? I remember walking in and meeting Maddie Simmons. He was a great guy. Uh, we lost him a couple of years ago. He created Lampoon magazine. And I remember meeting Harold Ramis and Maddie on that day. You went in I, for the first audition yeah, for all for those vacation. guys. Yeah. Yeah. And what was your audition? Do you remember what I, scene I don't you were know, reading? No, I don't remember what scene, but it was something probably with Chevy, one of the scenes. Maybe the Chevy scene was did. there? No, no, no. But it was probably the scene in the desert with Chevy. You know, it was probably one of those scenes. I don't I don't recall. Were you drinking the beer? Yeah, it was probably one of but those. But you didn't have yeah. you didn't meet Chevy before you got the part. No, no, just Maddie and Harold Remus. So that was a big that that was really cool. What's interesting too is John Hughes actually wrote that screenplay. I didn't meet right. him then, right? So his trajectory was interesting. He started selling short stories to Lampoon Magazine. Right. He had been a copywriter in Chicago. He wrote, and that's what she's having a baby is that context. So Kevin Bacon's playing him. Elizabeth McGovern was playing his right. wife. And uh, so he sold this short story. Next thing you know, they made it into the film. I did that film, didn't know John. And then right after that, I did 16 Candles and audition for him and then, right. uh, as a kid and then did three in a row with him. Yeah. But Vacation Man. That that is, I always think of like people when they work with Chevy Chase because you always hear things. You hear things. I've had uh, Joel McHale. He was on here and he talked Joel's about it. He, he, yeah. he loves Chevy, but like you know, there was some problems on set. Was there? Like, yeah. yeah, on the community yeah. and mm. things happen, and you know, he got fired and all these all these mm. things. Do you remember him being very giving and and, and nurturing and kind of like guiding you because you had to be nervous as shit, or were you not? Oh, I was nervous. Yeah, as a kid, absolutely. By the time I did Community, no, I had a different take on it. But I had a great time on that show. I mean, there were so many great actors on that show. All, all the whole cast was cool. And, um, I, you know, I worked with him briefly on that. Yeah, I but mean, vacation, vacation though. I'm talking about vacation. No, on vacation. I mean, I was just, I was rusty. I was 14 years old, so I, I looked up to everybody, man. You know, John, John Candy was great. John Candy really was a big personality and a lot of fun. What was it about him? Well, Chevy was kind of like the way he is, kind of snarky and funny, you know what I mean? But Candy was Uncle Buck, man. He was really, and the way it happened was we shot one ending, it didn't work. And it was that thing where the studio tested it, they got the cards back and they realized from the original ending that they never made it to Wally World. So we regrouped six months later, puberty kicked in. I'm like four inches taller. I get to the set at Magic Mountain. I got a huge zit on my chin. Chevy's like, nice. Okay, you're jerking off. Good to see you've grown. Uh, it was he just probably a, did But say that's that. how Chevy was. Yeah, yeah. No, he said, uh, yeah, something like that. If you're blind, you're doing it right, meaning I was whacking off. I don't know what the hell he was saying. Um, and then they hired John Candy, and that's the ending we shot that they used. So the test screening came back and the audience was like, shit, we want to see them make it to Wally World. They never did. So that's how it happened. Then we reshot the ending and we did it. Did you think the movie was going to be? I mean, you hear this you, all the time. You have no idea. You never know. I think anybody who says that they knew when they were making something, I, I think that that's a, I think that's BS. You never really know. I mean, I had a great time and I was working with all these legends, you know. But as a kid, I wasn't processing the future success of anything. Were like you that. on to the next thing while you're already finishing? Well, that? sixteen candles. So then back in New York, I'm like in ninth grade. I get the audition for sixteen candles. I go and meet John and Jackie Birch, the casting director, who uh, who really you know put me on, as they say. And I did those three films. I got sixteen candles after about ten auditions. Wait, 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 wait. Ten auditions. I no, honestly, at that time I remember doing that many. There was a bunch, and. You know how that thing of like when they're trying to pair people off, if they're close to hiring you, they'll bring you back in and they'll kind of mix and match you with yes. other actors. Or, so that was that kind of thing. 
So that was cool. And then I got that. And then right after that, we did the other two consecutively. And did you test screen with Molly? Or wait, wait. For no, no, no. It was no screen testing on that film. It was just rounds of auditions and they would have executives in. And I, and I was kind of honored because every time I came back in the room, there'd be like three more executives from Universal. You know what I mean? It was like by the last auditions, there was like eight people in the room. So who were some of the other kids who were, were up for that part? I don't recall. I, you know what's so funny? In the interim, I've read that Jim Carrey did, uh, and I don't remember meeting him. I love Jim Carrey, but I never, I don't remember meeting him. But I think he was up. That's how old we are. It's great. Jesus. Now, Jim Carrey's a lot older than you. He is, but I think he, I think I read something that he'd auditioned for, which is pretty funny. Was that, if you I love Jim Carrey. Yeah. I love Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim fucking great. By the way, you do impressions, don't you? Not really. Because no. I, I read somewhere that you always would do yeah. impressions. You, when you were on SNL, you did impressions. Mm, I can't remember if we did anybody. We did a sketch where. I think we did the Kennedys, and I think that was kind of funny. You played John F. Kennedy? I played Robert, I think. Uh, who played JFK? I forget who played JFK, but I think Randy Quaid played Lyndon Johnson. Madonna was playing Marilyn. <laughs> and then Downey, I forget who Downey was playing, but yeah, and the Kennedys, yeah. I think I did one of them. Ask not with your country. I don't know what I thought I was. That was I, I can yeah. hear that's that right there. Well, that's the Boston. The Boston. Because you're from Boston. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I don't, I'm not like, you know, Rich Little. I saw Rich Little recently, by the way. Did you, wait, he's still alive? He's still alive. I just saw him in Rich Vegas. Little, was he Rich funny? Little, he was great. He was great. How old is Rich Little? He's 114. Is he 114 yeah, he's now? doing well, though. He asked about you. He asked about me. 16 Candles, obviously, was that, that's the movie that really took, took things off for you. I mean, that was it the- It did, man. It did. You know, because- I can't imagine what it's like to be 15, 16 years old, and you just become a star. I mean, how do you keep your I head couldn't on either. straight? I couldn't either, man. It was a trip. It was- It's like it, everything you do at that point. Yeah. So I read somewhere like you were the fourth most, uh, they said the fourth best teen actor of all time. You were ranked on this list of 200 no teen actors. Wow. And they said you were number four. I don't know how you weren't number one. What was that? Like a VH1 contest? What was that? I don't know what it was. Wow. But I'm telling you, it seems like everything it. you touch turned to gold. It was mostly Hughes. Honest to God, Michael. He was great. You know, he had these parties set up. The scripts were great. There were always a nice sort of equal distribution of fun stuff for us to do. And just the way he worked, man, he gave us all those great opportunities. And like I said, he was very cool with like collaborating, trying stuff. He was always kind of conspiring with the actors to make it funnier. And, uh, you know, in a similar way, David Gordon Green, same thing, man. Very natural, talented writer, great director. Um, not sticklers. Not sticklers. Great, perfect word. You know, really open to the process and fluid and let things happen, which is cool. And I think when when directors are like that, as you know, you're going to you're going to go that much further for the director, man. You're going to do, you know, yeah, give it your all. So that's the environment that he created, Michael. That's why it was great. Have you had experiences where you you're, you don't get that freedom, man, where you just like, no, say it by the Well, book. you know how it is. Yeah. Without naming names, you know, you do movies or even TV shows, man. And you don't necessarily always get that vibe from directors. And I've worked with a lot of great directors and some OK, you know, some great TV directors, you know, um, and, you know, you're always learning. But some of them are more, you know, subdued than others or they might work right. from the monitor. You know how it is. Just get a, a variance of different things with different people. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. I just sent some of this to my mother and she's starting to notice the differences hmm. in herself. And, she, and because I noticed my mother was always had brain fog and, and she couldn't think clearly. And, and you know, and, and I, I was like, well, this stuff works for me. And what's great is I didn't even, they weren't even a sponsor when I started using this. Um, have you heard of Synaletics yet? Well, listen, it's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime. 
Your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why I use Qualia Senolytic. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, hello, sluggish mental and physical energy, hello, associated with that middle age feeling, hello. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And they must believe in their product because they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty amazing. I felt higher energies. Uh, I feel uh, more focused. Um, younger. I have to say, because a lot of these things make me feel younger. I feel more uh, productivity happening in my life, a little more enthusiastic. Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify. You know I use Shopify. You guys go on the you know Inside of You online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you. It's so amazing. Shopify, I can't think of anyone else that would do this uh, the right way like Shopify does. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. It's so easy to navigate. And when you want to add discounts, like for instance, I just had a discount where I put uh, Michael 15, and that was my discount code. How much of a percent? 15% off the total order. Easy. Adding products. It's so easy. You put a picture. You just upload a picture. You put a description. It, it, it does everything for you. And the analytics are so easy to use. Uh, this is the most selling product. Oh, I should get more of those. This is the least selling product. This is how much I made for this month compared to last year or last month. It's so easy to navigate. I feel like a pro and Shopify has really helped me do that. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. 
Well, they say, like I've read, you, you, I'm sure you've heard this story a million times, mm -hmm. but that John was really upset when you didn't take Ferris Bueller and you didn't take, uh, yeah. what's the other one? Pre uh, Pretty, Pretty in Pink. Pink. Yeah. And he was really upset and you, you, the friendship was sort of severed for a while. Is that true? You know what happened, Mike? When I was promoting Hollywood Kills, uh, Halloween Kills in New York a couple weeks back, I had a nice conversation with a guy at a magazine and then this, this headline hit and I'll tell you what happened. For years, I kind of opted not to tell the story, but the truth is I, he did write those two projects for me. He wanted me to do them. At the time, he was going to have Howie Deutsch, who's a great guy. I know Howie. Um, I worked with his wife, Leah Thompson. He was going to direct Pretty in Pink, and he wanted me to star in Ferris Bueller, and I was actually booked and busy on some other projects, so it just didn't work out. And I think that kind of broke John Hughes's heart. It broke mine, too, because I really wanted to continue that relationship. Yeah. So that's how it happened, man. You know. And then years later, the last time I talked to him... Um, he called me with John Candy on the phone. It was incredible, man. And we hung out like this for a couple hours and just, wow. shoot, you know, shot the shit. And he talked about the potential for like a Breakfast Club sequel. And all these things were in his eyes, you know, in his in his thinking at that time. Um, but he was just the greatest man. I love him. We were always laughing. He'd take us to blues bars. We'd go to record stores. You know, we'd go and hang out at his house. I mean, what he did for me, he did for so many, you know, so many. So it's not like just, you know, me. right, right. You know the deal. There's so many great actors and actresses, and he was just putting us on the map and giving us opportunity, man. Did know? he throw shit at you like, hey, Mike, try, try, try this. A add this line right here. Oh, totally. Do this. Oh, no, try, totally. Do your own take, but be just go off on this. Yeah. No, no, no. We would talk it out between takes. I would run to the sidelines and get, you know, his input and. Oh, no, dude, we were always doing that, man. What's a scene that you remember or scenes that just elevated so that you were like, when the, you first started filming it, it was like, okay, this is kind of funny. Yeah. But it just became something way funnier. Okay, perfect example. This is a true story. I'm guessing the car scene in 16 Well, let's go Candles. back to set. Well, there's one of them. I got one for that, too. So watch this. We're shooting 16 Candles. I'm 15 years old. I look 12 like a bobblehead. And... <laughs> I remember we're casting, we're in Chicago, and we're doing the casting rounds for the guys who are going to play my buddy, my, my two buddies. So Hughes turns to me, I swear to you, I'm 15 years old. He goes, well, they're your buddies. You gotta, I'm going to let you cast them. I was like, what? What? So I cast Cusack. I don't even know if Cusack knows this. Call me, John. You cast uh, John. I swear to you, because John Hughes said so. I was like, I can't believe I couldn't believe it either. And then this other guy, Darren, who played the other sidekick, who was hilarious. So back to the scene work. I mean, that scene at the high school dance, for example, just coming up with shit, like smacking them in the face, you know. You turning around when you're all, like. All of that shit. All of that all shit. All that shit's all you. Yeah. Well, no, because he cut me loose because he would, we would come up, we would talk about it, and then he would go, go surprise him and do that this time, you know, or goofy shit. Like we do the party scene later <laughs> after the after the party, the house party. And we go on set for blocking, and it's the scene after uh, with Michael Schofling right after the party's over. right In the kitchen. Well, there's that one too, but watch. We go to the living room. Oh, yeah, yeah, And he yeah. sees, and he's, there's like a clear coffee table there. So John goes, do you think he could fit under the table? I go, watch this, boss. And I go under the table, and that became the thing under the table. <laughs> right. The thing the thing in the kitchen is another one. We get to the set, and we're shooting in the kitchen. It's like 2 a.m. It's one of these, you got to be funny at like 2 a.m., right? So we get there. There's an apron, some peanuts. He goes, why don't you throw the apron? I go, great. Then I'm eating peanuts. And then he even set the scene. He goes, I'm going to get Sinatra's Strangers in the Night. We're going to set this all up. I mean, dude, it was like that. So perfect example. We would just wing it. We would just come up with shit and make ourselves laugh. And that was the other thing too, man. He was always truly going for the laugh. And if something came up, he he was always laughing. Like in my mind's eye, when I think about both of them, both Hughes and Harold Ramis, the, the joy, the happiness they worked with, man, they were fun. They were it's always just such laughing. It's a rare thing, you know? right? When it guys is, man. get it, when yeah. they get the comedy, and not only that, but they get you. 
right. They get yeah. you and they want you to be your best. And they go, well, we've got a gold mine here. We can get anything. Because you really, at that time in your life, you, you, it seems like you could do anything. You could make, sure. were you making the whole cast laugh constantly? It was, well, there was that. That was fun too. It really was. The idea of having fun at work and making him Who was laugh. the easier, easiest to laugh, make laugh? Who'd you get to laugh the most? I, well, honestly, I only remember thinking about making him laugh, but I remember that feeling of like, again, back to making the crew your audience. You have fun with it, man. But I remember wanting to make him laugh all the time because we were always working at this level where it was just like partly improv, you know, but we would always shoot it as per first. You know what I mean? So when you're under that table in 16 candles, <laughs> that, what did you say? Did you say it was the Jake? Yeah, yeah, Jake. Yeah, yeah. Jake. And the, yeah, and the voice cracking. I mean, yeah. that was all real that shit. That was all yeah, just, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. written. No, no. Yeah. Just little shit. And you, know? you go home feeling so great. Like, oh my God, I made everybody laugh today. I'm having so much fun today. Exactly. And then you grow exactly. up and you start to do roles where it's like, it's not as fun. That it's happened too. It's just not as fun. That happened too, to be very honest. Absolutely. But by, by the way, so it made me appreciate yeah. how great he was because all these years later, no one was like him. And in exactly. fairness, I, in fairness, I would say Ramus too. Harold Ramus was just brilliant. He was such a great guy. Yeah. So I can I can see them when I think back. I can just see them smiling and laughing because that's how they worked, man. They were great. Was on. I don't want to talk too much about this, but like in Breakfast Club, uh, Paul Gleason. Oh, he was great. The, the late great yeah. Paul Gleason. Was he honestly great, or did he want to pers personify that dick, arrogant guy? That so he tried to stay away from you. Tell me. Something. Let me tell you how this happened. All okay, right. so at the time, Trading Places was in theaters. Oh, Huge Eddie Murphy fan. Still am. Oh, Love yeah. Eddie Murphy. He was interviewing and auditioning the guy that played Coach on Cheers. Remember the actor, the oh, older guy? I loved him. He was awesome. Hilarious. So then I go see Trading Places. I come to the set the next day. I go, Johnny, go see this movie. There's a scene in Trading Places. You remember this? When Paul Gleason is at a phone booth and like a 95-year-old woman comes up to him and she's what remember phone booth right she would she comes up to him she goes and like she's waiting for the thing and he puts the phone down and goes fuck off to the old lady <laughs> so dude i came back to the fuck set off i came back to the set and i told john about that he wound up seeing the film and he brought paul in so it was because i'd seen trading places and then he we just both agreed. so you cast paul gleason no no i didn't cast gleason but i i gave but him you the, gave I, him the little... I did i did i threw that at him and then we became friends man we became buddies you know i met tyson through paul gleason we went to fights and hung out paul gleason was great man he had two heroes mickey mantle and dylan wow so, yeah so paul gleason and i were buddies i mean so many great friends i met bro like yourself over the years bill paxton the late great bill paxton. but what about tyson you became friends with tyson i became friends with tyson at how old 18 we went to the fight at the garden i meet tyson he's like just about to become champion and uh it, this was funny man he knocks this guy out in like four seconds wait was that sphinx no no it wasn't sphinx it was way before that i forget the guy's name it was a garden fight again about a year before he became champion so tyson's about 19 knocks this guy out and then he knew uh, gleason so i see tyson come out of the ring and me and gleason are sitting there ringside and he waves me over and he goes, I'm a great admirer of your work. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that night I hung out with, with Tyson and Gleason and God. Uh, we came, became friends. I love, I just want a second about Tyson. I love this. I, I love these stories. This, this, is, stuff? This, is great. this is great. So Tyson, I got to say, I just love seeing where he's at now, right? I mean, he's got cannabis business and he's promoting concerts. I'm just happy for and him. And he's man. really he's got a bunch of kids, a great wife. He is, man. He just really he tells is. it how it is. He just like, this is what I believe and this yeah. is what I'm going to say. Yeah. And it's, it, it is. It's amazing. It, it really is. So I'm really happy for him. I haven't seen Mike in years, but um, 
so yeah, I mean, these great stories. Were man. there anybody on the Breakfast Club that you really did? I mean, they didn't love working with, or were there, oh, no, was no, everybody no, no, just no. great? Oh no, we all got along. It was cool. But what was funny at the time was me and Molly were kids, man. We were sixteen, so we had like homework. We had to go back to the hotel, <laughs> the Skokie Hilton or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> And then Judd and Amelia would go out and hang out. They'd go have beers and whatever. Because they were like, you know, I don't know, 35 when they did the film. No, no. They were in their early 20s. So Molly and I had homework and Judd and, and Amelia hung out. But we loved each other, man. We all got along great. I looked up to all of them. To this day, I love Do you Allie. still talk to them ever? I haven't spoken. I ran into Judd a couple of years ago. He's great. He's got a great sense of humor, man. Judd's funny. Amelia, I haven't seen that much. Um, Allie, I've seen over the years. The last time we were all reunited is when Mr. Hughes passed, 2010, man. We had the Oscar thing where they paid tribute to right, him. Right, right. So I thought that was very classy of the Oscars to do that. Because as you know, they don't often you know, acknowledge comedies as it were. So. Right. Yeah. But Molly, you still, every once in a while, or it's been a while since you talked to her? Yeah, no, it's been a couple of years since I've spoken to her. But she's cool. Very happily married. She's got a bunch of kids. She's doing great. You know, uh, the janitor. Um, oh, Kapalos. Kapalos. Yeah. Father John Kapalos, a he, great guy. He was, I did this show a couple of years back, and he was a guest star, and we hit yeah. it off. Yeah. And he came over and karaoke with his girlfriend. Oh, great. He came to the house and karaoke. What so, a funny guy. He is. He is. So watch this. I produced a film this summer with a, a writer-director named Nick Salozzi, and it's not a remake, but it's an updated kind of reimagining of The Breakfast Club. Anyway, we got, we got Kapalos yeah. in. Oh, wow. So Capitals showed up. He's a great guy. So, uh, and a great comedic actor. He's a great. Yeah. Now, how do you go from John Hughes to Tim Burton? Now, Tim Burton seems like it's got to be, he's, I'm sure he's a great guy. He is. But it's yeah. got to be a different way of working. Well, at the time when that came up, this is Edward like, Scissorhands. Yeah, 1989, man. Uh, so I went to go meet with him. And Tim, remember the remember the cure? He looked like a lost member of the cure, right? He had the hair and <laughs> yes, yeah. And I remember when I went to his Robert office. Robert Smith. Yeah, yeah, Robert Smith. He had the leg up in the chair and he was kind of twirling his hair and shit. And really interesting guy. Very shy, actually, and very unassuming and very cool. And but he really comes to life when he directs. So he hired me for scissor hands. I auditioned for him in the room, and and that was a great experience too, man. Um okay, I have a theory about Tim Burton. I think he is Edward Scissorhands. And here's why. <laughs> here's why. I'll explain. Please do. Okay, I'll explain. He grew up in, uh, in Burbank. He was a student of animation. His favorite actor was Vincent Price, right? Uh... And just, I, I, I look at him like a modern day Disney and beyond. I mean, you look at his films, they're works of art, man. Yeah. And he's one of those, fun, you know, like rare auteurs, great directors where he really has a look and feel of his movies. And they get more and more brilliant since then, right? I mean, he yeah. went on to do another seven movies or whatever with Johnny Depp, right? Yeah. So I just loved Tim Burton, man. And I think at the time he felt, I think he probably thought it was kind of funny because I had sprouted up and it was a bigger guy. And then yeah, all of yeah. A sudden, you know, and Johnny was like, you know, uh, you know, to play that bully, I think he kind of thought it was a fun idea at the time. So great experience. We shot in Tampa, Florida. At the time, Johnny was with Winona and they were in right. love and all that. Um, Did you meet Vincent Price? I didn't get to work with Vincent Price. No. Uh, I, I but know all those great actresses, a... Kathy Bates, all these all these women that were in the film were fantastic, and uh, that was another great experience. I had fun on that one. And another uh, other roles I hear that you turned down. Like, did you ever meet with Stanley Kubrick on Full Metal Jacket? I did, man. You I met did. with Stanley no, Kubrick. No, I didn't meet with him, but I had a couple calls with him. It's an interesting story. So, I'm doing Weird Science, and I get a call from my agent, a gentleman named Marty Bauer. It's a great guy. Uh, Marty started the Bauer Benedict Agency, which became another big agency. I think UTA, right? So as a kid, he represented me. He was like family. I love Marty. So he calls me like on a Wednesday. He says, Stanley Kubrick is interested in you in this uh, for a role in this Vietnam biopic he's doing. And I was like, holy shit. Because even at 17, I'd seen The Shining and all these great movies. Oh, yeah. 
So I get a call Friday, two days later. He goes, well, he's actually wants you for the lead and he wants to call you tomorrow. Mic drop, right? I'm like, holy shit. Stanley Kubrick's going to call me. It's like, wait for the Wizard of Oz, right? So the next morning, the phone rings. And I'm like up at pace. I'm at the Sheridan premiere up by the Universal City. And I'm up like pacing. Like, I'm just like, I can't believe I'm going to talk to you. How old are you? I'm 18. Uh, The phone rings. Michael, Stanley Kubrick. I was like, dude. I was like, (laughs) and then this is what he said to me. He paid me the greatest compliment I've ever had. He goes like, I just finished uh, screening 16 Candles. I watched it three times. I, I couldn't believe it. I was just sitting here. <laughs> and he goes, I, I, you know, you're my favorite actor since I saw Jack and Easy Rider. I was like, dude, I'm a kid. Yeah, no, exactly. He said this that to me. So that it was amazing. It was astonishing, Michael. It was. And then even more, you know, beyond that wonderful compliment, he wound up talking about his favorite filmmakers. He started talking about Eisenstein, the great Russian director, and Chaplin, and and, dude, I'm like, and you're just sitting there listening. I, I'm standing there in the, in the Sheridan premiere, like looking over the valley, like in my window. And I was just bugging out. It was incredible. So what happened was it became literally like an eight or nine month negotiation. And Holy shit. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was, I could say in hindsight, it was about money, but it wasn't. It was just a crazy drawn out thing. He was incredibly private. I had to go to his attorney's house in Beverly Hills and read a numbered script. I mean, literally, dude, it was like this. Wow. And, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And, and and that's another great film of his. So, I mean, I wouldn't have any regrets in my life. I don't. But in terms of a creative thing, that's probably the closest thing. And it just it breaks my heart sometimes that it didn't work out. I needed to work with him. But Right. Uh, Do you think maybe agents incredible. got in the way? No, no, no. It, no, it wasn't even like that. It was just, we just kind of parted ways. But I couldn't believe it took that long. At one point. Nine months. No, no, no. I swear to you. At, at one point, he called his lawyer. And his lawyer called my father, who was a, a great manager. He discovered like Azamo and Sandra Bullock and all these people. He was a great manager, Tom. And the question that Louis Blau had for my father was, Mr. Kubrick wants to know if Tom has read Nuclear Negotiations, a book called Nuclear. Kubrick was deep, dude. Everything was chess. Everything was chess. Nuclear Negotiations. I swear to you. I swear to you. So so anyway, I mean, I I would have loved to have done that. And then it's funny, little epilogue. I, I run into Matthew Modine a couple of years later. In New York City, and I'm still a kid, you know. And he was, he was kind of big league me. He was funny. <laughs> I go, "How you doing, Modini? Oh, cool." And then I start walking alongside him in New York, and we're talking. I go, "So how, how long did you guys wind up shooting that film? You know, tell me, Vision Quest. I want to know." <laughs> and uh, he goes, "I swear to you, he goes, 54 weeks. <laughs> fifty-four weeks. Fifty-four weeks. He shot for a year. a year and two weeks. Man. Wow! So, but he was just brilliant, and he had that." capacity and and that allowance within our industry i mean there's very few people how long can shoot a film that long i think not since chaplin you know because right. chaplin was notorious that in that day of the max senate days they would shoot something and if he ran out of ideas he would just break camp you know right and chaplin would notify you when he had some ideas for stunts you know but stanley kubrick what can i say man i just bowed out i love stanley kubrick well, so I, you- I, I look i'm grateful for that whole experience what was your next project while you were you were filming while that was taking place hey, johnny be good nice choice huh no, I actually Johnny enjoy Johnny Be Good. Piece of shit. Did you not like that movie? No, no, I had a good time on it. I'm just joking. Downey refers to it as Johnny B movie. <laughs> Is that what he says? Yeah, he but no, it's got to be a great time. I had a good time. But on. it's got to be hard. Like you know, it's like and you've talked about this a million times. But like transitioning. It, it's, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. How yeah. do you transition from the biggest movie star as a teenager and then as an adult? I mean, how how often? And well, by that's the way, the thing. you yeah. did it. Yeah, no, that was the thing, you know, and the truth is, you know how it is, man. You have up and down periods. You got to be in it for the long haul, you know, uh, Downey Sr. 
Downey Senior used to joke with me as a pun on my name, Robert's father. He goes, in the long haul, the short one won't make it. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> but that's the thing. You know, I had no idea, man, about a career. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just a kid. But these were the experiences I had. So yeah, incredible, man. By yeah. the way, I, I, I one thing I got to say is like, how old are you when you did Weird Science? 17? Mm-hmm. How do you 17. not hit on Kelly LeBrock? Oh, she was amazing. Beautiful woman. We're still friends to this day. She's a really? Lot She's a lot of fun. I mean, that had to be an amazing experience working with her. She was cool. Because every kid, because I'm your cool. age pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm watching going, holy shit. Well, here's what happened. At the time, there was another person hired, a lady named Kelly Emberg, who was also a beautiful supermodel. And unfortunately, it just wasn't working out. We shot for a couple of days, and then and then that didn't work out. Um, so then they brought Kelly, and she had done Woman in Red, and Kelly replaced Kelly, you know. Um, and she was great, man. As the British say, she takes the piss out of everybody. She's great. She's super cool. And you were improvising in that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that whole scene where you're like, call her on the telephone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was another one. Where we didn't, yeah. And John set that up. And then that kind of stemmed from being a huge fan of Pryor. I would imitate Pryor for Hughes. I would listen. Like, we would go to his house and I'd hang out with his wife and his kids. And I'm like a teenager. And we would watch everything from Advent Costello to, the, you know, Laurel and Hardy to <laughs> Live on Sunset Strip or whatever. Right, right. So it kind of stemmed from, that would be like an inside joke with me and Hughes. I would imitate this character that Pryor did called Mudbone. And Mudbone was- How like, did he sound? Go outside and get some sunshine on your face, boy. You know, it was just like this old, <laughs> this old character. <laughs> and that's kind of who you modeled that character totally. off of. Totally, the great Richard Pryor. So that would make the, I just would have fun You called her on the telephone? On the telephone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I would just goof and- it was that just a, one of the funniest scenes ever. Thank you, bro. Film. It was just a love of Pryor, honestly. Just imitating really? Pryor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just said, keep going with it. Well, some of that was scripted. I think he had some of the lines about the girl, bitch, need me in the nuts and all that. <laughs> my nuts are halfway up my ass. So but otherwise, perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think I love. But he was great like that. So he kind of set that scene and we just, you know. What's the what's the, your, your favorite, if you had to look back at one part, if you just could only take one part that you've done? Oh, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. If you had to pick one from, part. Yeah, my, my favorite? Uh, this movie, Halloween Kills, man. How you, about that? you like that segue, right? <laughs> I like it. But by the way, I've I, never been more pumped. Honest to God, I've never been more excited. But I think everybody's yeah. pumped about this movie. It's I really ass. think that it's just like it's kicking ass it right is. now. And where can we watch it? Okay, it's in theaters. Number it, one it, movie in the country. Uh, I think we got bumped this weekend by Dune, which did great. But it's made over like 90 million worldwide in 10 days. It's but crazy. But by the way, it's I bet it's film. a lot shorter than Dune. Was doing a, a weekend. It was a long movie. Did it take nine hours? It was two there? hours and forty minutes. It was a good. It was a good movie. But I'm just saying, Halloween's something you could probably watch. It's not that. It's not too. It long. looks good. I want to see Dune. No, Halloween kicks ass. It's an hour and forty five minutes, and it's just a fucking roller coaster. I mean, it is. And it's how's really, Jamie Lee Curtis? She's awesome. Is she really? I hear she's awesome. No, no, she really is. I mean, when I think of Jamie, like I was in love with her as a kid, man. When I first saw the first one, Trading Places, I always loved Jamie Lee Curtis. I had a huge crush on her. I met her and her great husband when, when I was a kid, Chris Guest, another genius. I love this guy, man, Chris Guest. Oh, he's genius. He really is. He loves his Waiting movies. for Guffman. Oh, dude. Everything. Right? Best in show. Yeah. So I had the pleasure of meeting them when I was a kid. Um, but she's awesome. She's super chill and down to earth and you know has a great heart. She has this nonprofit called My Hand in Yours. Right. And she, which benefits Children's Hospital of LA. And she's just a cool lady. You know, she's got they have a couple of kids and you know, she's writing a project. I think she's going to direct a film with Jason Blum's company, Blumhouse. She's going to put you in it? I hope so, man. But she's awesome. She really is. She has a lot of heart and really cares about people, man. You can really see it. It cuts through. You know, she's Well, you really do cool. pretty much in terms of, not, I'm not saying everything, but you'll, 
if you like a script or if you like a project, you'll do it, whether it's horror, whether it's comedy, whether it's drama. You just have to like it, but you you love to work. I do, man. I do. And I like mixing it up. I think one of the things I've I've enjoyed just watching some of the greats that we both admire, I'm sure, growing up, man. Like, I love Ben Kingsley, for example. Oh, yeah. Like, Sir Ben Kingsley, man. It'll go light to dark, right? Like House of Sand and Fog and then Sexy Beast, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck and, you, fuck you. But yes, amazing. <laughs> He's incredible. I could see you playing an absolute psychopath, like, really. I have. I mean, in what? <laughs> I did this movie called War Machine a couple years ago. It was with Brad Pitt. That was a lot of fun. I played a general. I mean, it was based on. Oh, you did play a psycho. Yeah, well, well, he was a tough general. It was a crazy general. I mean, I, that was just my choice. You know, we were playing real generals, but it was in part fictionalized. It was a project that Brad's company produced. Um, it was based on a book called The Operators. Great project, you know, so that was fun. So I played kind of, I played my general kind of like a jarhead, like he was a Marine general or something. So, I mean, I've had a lot of fun playing villains, you know. Yeah. And Pirates of Silicon Valley, though. I, I just remember watching how you transformed yourself into Bill Gates. Thanks, man. And yeah. I just, it just, it blew me away. It Dude, truly, have you ever you. seen it, Ryan? No. What the fuck? I know. I mean, I, you, you <laughs> won't believe it. It's one of those things where you watch, you're like, because I, I think you were nominated for it, weren't you? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. No, the film was. It was nominated for five Emmys, I think. It was a great experience, man. Yeah, yeah. Noah Wiley, great guy to work with. He really looked like Steve Jobs, too, man. He was great. Would you do anything for a role in terms of gaining 30 pounds, losing 20 pounds, whatever? I kind of did for Halloween Kills, man. I was just in the South. I mean, I was trying to hit the gym. I was in there every morning for about a half hour. <laughs> really? Just... <laughs> but, then was, but then I was eating like an animal, man. Good old Southern you, you food. You have to. Yeah, but I, it kind of worked for that, too. And I decided to shave my head, which is, no, I'm sticking with this haircut because now- It man, looks good. Thanks, man. So, uh, no, for that, yeah, I wanted to kind of just beef up a little bit, but I was eating good, man. North Carolina was fun. All right, this is called Shit Talk, and this is the kind of the end of the interview where it's, it's shit talking with uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, my patrons, my lovable patrons, they get to ask some questions. You Great. Just, you, you answer them. Let's, Let's do it, it man. Yeah. Leanne, really loved your character on the Goldbergs. Any behind the scene pranks, funny moments you would like to share? Well, just Wendy McClub. Uh, Wendy, what was her? I'm sorry. Wendy McClendon. I yeah, can't go ask me. I forget Fuck, how you say her name. Forgive me, Wendy. Brilliant comedic actress. She's the, I mean, she carries the show, but um, Jeff Garland, all those people are fantastic. We lost Mr. Siegel. He was brilliant. But everybody, all the kids on the show, I love doing that show. And it's a lot of fun, too, kind of poking fun of the 80s. The writing is great. I have a great time on it. So they brought me on to do a, an episode. It was a goof. It was a spoof of Vacation. And right. the joke was that Rusty was now a security guard at, at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. And then after that, they brought me on as a, I'm a guidance counselor, Mr. Parat. So I've done about six episodes now. I think I'm doing another one this month. So, so you got a good sense of humor. You, yeah. you could easily play, make fun of yourself. That's the, oh, that's, that's key, the key, man. That's that is key. key. What did you, you say to me when I got here? If you can't do that. That's it. That's it. And that show gave me a great opportunity to do that because it's great. It makes fun of everything 80s, which is great. I love it. Yeah, Steph man. A, who was the most similar to their character in Breakfast Club? At the time, maybe. Ringwald. Really? Maybe. Dave P., any 80s Brat Pack movie you'd like to see modernized? Hmm. I don't think it would work. I, yeah, I can't speak. The first thought I had was not any of John's films. It was I actually thought of Fast Times, but you couldn't remake that. Remember how great Sean was oh, in that movie? Man. Come on, couldn't, dude. Couldn't. It was all the characters. Mr. Han. You dick. You dick. You knock when you enter, Curtis. <laughs> Remember Entree. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go over to London and party with Mick and Keith. Oh, dude, that movie is great. That movie is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and I love when, what's her name, Phoebe Cates comes out of the pool and he's jerking off in the, oh, in the bathroom. Another great moment. Yes. Carly, to your relationship with John Hughes. That's Mrs. Kevin Klein to you. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. Watch him, will you? Uh, you know, we are, Carly, he we already answered the question. Me too. All the shit happened. He has no idea, does he? <laughs> Michelle no, K., who is the one person you would love to work with again? Downey. We have something that we're writing, uh, a project, and working with he and his wife the last couple of years is great. So we're still working on it. We're still working on it. We have a TV show that we wrote, actually. I would love that. What's the TV show? Yeah. You can't tell what it's about. I can't. I can't. It, you know, it's interesting because it's it's called Singularity. It's a lot of fun, um, and it's something we've been working on. It's uh, hopefully we'll, we'll bring it to air. Dana asks, super geeked with you. This guy, super Dana, is super geeked on you. The new Hollywood, the new movie Halloween Kills, being up front with Michael Myers, was that face scary as hell or what? As a child up to right now, he still freaks me out. Yeah. Was it even scary while you were acting? It wasn't scary. It wasn't scary, but I mean, we have such great, let me just talk about the crew for a second. This guy, yeah. Chris Nelson, Christopher Nelson designs the mask. He's awesome. James Jude Courtney's a great guy. But we kind of left each other alone during the making of the film just to kind of give each other space so we could vibe out on the scenes. But we've become friendly since making the film. Cool guy. Great cinematographer. We had Michael Simmons, this guy who shot the movie. It looks incredible. But David Gordon Green, dude, honestly, he just kicks so much ass. This movie is like, I'm so proud of it. And the fact that I can say I'm working for Danny and, and David and James. Was Danny on set? He was for the first week, dude. I'm a huge Danny McBride Did you guys just fan. talk forever? We did. We vibed out. He was so funny. You know, he said something to me in passing. I was giving him a compliment about his comment. I love him. And he goes, use the force, Luke, or some shit like that. It was hilarious. <laughs> he's like, use my force. He said something like that. To use him. my but force. But he's super chill. He's so down to earth. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's Dude, really what funny. a great comedian, right? To me, he's like the modern day Bill Murray. I, I think he's one of the funniest guy. humans. Him and Kristen Wiig are like the two funniest people Oh, my people God. In the world. And Kate McKinnon, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many good comedians. Brilliant. Yeah. By the way, I, I have to mention it because I'm a big fan of Six Pack from 1982, but you work with Kenny you Rogers. You fucking lie for a living. You don't love Six Pack. Kenny Rogers, dude. Six Pack. You didn't like the Six Pack. I love Six Pack. I have it on VHS. You weren't watching the Family Fair in 1980, were you? I bet I have it up here somewhere. Actually, you were probably like nine years old. I was like 12 when I made the film. Yep. So do you really remember watching that film? I'm a, a billion percent. Oh I love God. Six Pack. I love that movie. Kenny Rogers was a great guy, man. He was an awesome guy. What a sweetheart. He loved us all, man. He was so cool. Did he generous. ever play guitar for you and sit there and sing to you? No, but he had like he would he would take us up on helicopter rides and he had the, the rap party at his house. Just really great stuff. He was a Lady. really dude. He was awesome. What a nice oh, guy, man. And, and Diane Lane in it too. Diane She's awesome. Lane. Oh, man. Loved her. I know. Beautiful Diane woman. Lane. I right, fell in love with her. I loved her when I was I, a kid. Remember a Little Romance? That movie. Yes. Oh, yes. That was the first. You know Diane crush. Lane. Yeah. What was that movie where... He doesn't know anything before what, 2012 what was, over here. What is he, 21? Was, How old is this kid over here? What was the movie where Richard Gere kills the guy that she's having an affair with? Do you remember that one? No, no, no. Was it... Uh, oh, my God. That she was did a, movie a dark Gere, movie with it? Richard Gere. You have to see yeah, that. It is an amazing turn of events, and she is drop-dead gorgeous. It still is. Beautiful yeah, woman. Yeah. And so, a really nice person, too. Very sweet. By the way... You know, everybody always asks this question. It's not like you would fucking know. You wouldn't know the answer to I this. don't know much. But Michael Scheffling, the most gorgeous guy in the history of cinema, who does one role in 16 Candles, the, the heartthrob hunk, yeah. and then he disappears and he moves to the East Coast to be a carpenter. Literally. He's like, he was like the J.D. Salinger of actors. Great guy. We were great friends. We actually hung out a lot. He was a cool dude, man. And I, I miss him. I haven't seen him since. In Do you like ever want to look years. him up and say, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, dude, I actually met one of his kids. His, you know, he he was cool. He was such a good guy. He did Vision Quest with Matthew Modi, and then Vision after that, Quest. he just took another, he just went another route, man. Great guy. And you though. never heard from him again? Never heard from him again. No, he literally did a Salinger. I think he just, I just But that, that takes balls to be in a fucking absolute hit of a movie, being the heartthrob and saying, I'm walking. Oh, totally. I couldn't have done that. Could you have done that? No. 
I don't think no. I obviously, obviously <laughs> didn't. I obviously didn't do it. I've tried making furniture, right? It doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah, man, that always that always baffles. But me. he but was he super balls. great guy, man. He really was. We were like buddies. Yeah, it was funny because I was such a young kid, but he and I hung out all through the making of the film when we weren't shooting. Isn't that great? Yeah, and then Hughes, same thing. Hughes was thirty five years old, man, at the time, and I was fifteen, and we were like best friends. Honest to God, it was the best. He was awesome. Yeah, he really was, man. Halloween Kills. It's everywhere. It's out in theaters. You got Peacock. You yep. got to go see it. It's on Peacock. It's on the cock. It's on the cock, guys. <laughs> uh, you got to see it. It's Halloween. What else are you going to do with your lives? This is what we do. We watch horror movies during the month of October. I know you're going to see Halloween Kills. And also, let me just say a personal thank you to everybody who's seen it, because people are seeing it like three, four, five times. I mean, it's amazing. It's wow. almost it's over 90 million bucks in like 10 days. So it's very humbling, really exciting. Well, I'm super, super happy pumped. for you. Thanks, brother. And you deserve it. You've done such a, a, a great amount of work. You got such a great body of work. Thank you, brother. I want to see you continue. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about the dead zone. We didn't even talk about so many projects, great projects. We'll you do it in. again. Yeah. But, uh, you know, love to work with you sometime. Likewise, man. man. It would be Likewise. a lot of fun. And thank you, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, for allowing me to be inside of you today on the podcast could be with and you, i brother. know you you listen to the podcast so I, I do man that. i'm a fan we've known each other for years man. yeah it's you're been a great a long guy time. And i'm happy for your success you're doing great thanks man yeah, thanks man. for being here appreciate it i really enjoyed that that interview he i mean talk about shuffling the guy who played jake in 16 candles and what he's doing and that they used to hang out and how he how anthony uh michael hall improvised and uh, on different sets with John Hughes and just the great relationship they had. Just, yeah. uh, just a far out, yeah. far out story. Yeah. What did you enjoy about it? Uh, he seemed to be acutely aware that I was right next to him. <laughs> he did. <laughs> so, he acknowledged you. He acknowledged your presence quite frequently. <laughs> it was like him and Rooker. It was a very similar. Yes, vibe. they like yeah. to they like to sass you. So does yeah. Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee. It's Pe- Leah. Yeah. People like to sass you. Yeah. But uh, I'm very but, close to them. And it's yes. a little unnerving. I yeah. understand. Yeah, you're close to the guest. I mean, not that close. You're a couple of feet, but uh nonetheless, you're still mean my notepad. Uh another shout out to our stage at coming up. If you want to hear me play some music, the album is out. Sunspin is the band. You can go to sunspin.com. We're playing November 20th virtually, two shows, 2 p.m., 6 p.m. Please. Uh, spread the word and show up and there's zooms to be had and prizes and we play some good music some covers uh my good buddy tom lally from left on laurel is going to join us as a, a guest surprise although it's not a surprise now and um also if you want to um give back to echoes of hope uh you know there's a holiday event for under-resourced children teens and young adults 300 students will be supported this december uh, a lot of them don't have anywhere to go and uh, are, are uh, missing out on a lot in life, and they could use your help, and you can help them by going to at Our Echoes of Hope on social media, and uh, you could give back. You could donate. Uh, you could do a lot of – there's a lot of different options. Go to echoesofhope.org to see more options and uh, help those guys out. Help those uh, fine folks out. Uh, Echoes of Hope, fine charity. Um, also, a shout-out to Ronald McDonald House and foodonfoot.org. Uh, other cherries that I help. <coughs> help out with. Oh God! You okay? Aren't you right? See, uh, if people are listening. I, I could have just blamed that on you. <laughs> you know, I could say, "You okay, Ryan?" And they would have known. But if they're watching, they could see what you're that trying I to coughed. do. No, I didn't. It wasn't. It, no. wasn't, it wasn't COVID, Ryan. I know. You know, of anyone, you're not going to get it. Knock on wood, dude. Knock on wood Fucking... right now. Is that wood? This is wood. All right. Well, shit, man. Uh, yeah, I love it. And, you know, I think it's time to give a shout out to our top 
tiers. We know those guys on Patreon, patreon.com slash inside you that give back a little more to the podcast, some a lot more to the podcast. They keep it going. They help uh, keep this train going. So here we go. Big shout out. And thanks again to Anthony Michael Hall, my guest today. Ryan, thanks for being here with me. No problem. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Mama Lauren G, Nico P, Jerry W, Robert B, Jason W, Kristen K, not to be confused with. Kristen Crook. Amelia O, Allison L, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJ P, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B. Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon, Supremo, 99 more, Ramira, Santiago M, Sarah F, I love all these people, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Maya R, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda N, correct, Chris H, Dave H, Spider-Man Chase, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H, Horada, Tabitha T, Michelle K, what up, Michelle, what up, Michael S, Talia M, Betsy D, Claire, uh, I don't know what that is, I think that's Claire i it's it's a it's a sideways print it's like a parentheses a backslash yeah no whatever it is laura l chad l rochelle nathan e marion meg k janelle p trav l dan n big stevie w kendall t angel m rhiannon rhiannon rings like a bell through the night and would you love to love her Corey K, Super Sam, Coleman G, Dev Nexon, Michelle A, Liz I, Jeremy C, Andy T, Cody R, Sebastian K, Gavinator, Ann H, David C, John B, Brandy D, Yavor, Camille S, Bano, Bono. I think it's Bono, don't you? B-A-N-O. Bano. Maybe Bano? Bano. The C, Joey M, Willie F, Christina E, Adelaide N. Jeffrey M, Omar I, Lena N, Design OTG, Eugene and Leah. Hi, Eugene and Leah. I didn't leave you out this time. Uh, I hope it's not Lee. Maybe it's Eugene and Lee. Did I, did I, did I F it up again? Chris P, Nikki G, Corey, KTB, Patricia, Marissa, Maria N, and Bradley S. Bradley S. Uh, you guys really helped the podcast out, and I really appreciate you. Thank you for listening today. It's been a real treat having you. I hope you're enjoying the holidays. Make sure you go uh, watch us and stage it. If you haven't seen a stage of performance, please get tickets, sunspin.com or stageit.com. Type in sunspin. We'll be there. We'll be playing. Um, the store is available for merch at the Inside of You online store and sunspin.com. You can get T-shirts and a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, there you go. Brian? There you go. Good seeing you. Good seeing you, too. Thank you all for allowing me to be inside of you today once again. Thanks for having me uh, as part of your drive or your life or whatever that is. And uh, so many emails, so many uh, comments of how much the show means to them. And it means a lot to me that you uh, you feel that way. And that's why I keep doing it. So uh, thanks. And uh, from the Hollywood Hills up in here in Los Angeles, California, I'm Michael Rosenbaum. I'm Brian Tales. Guys. Keep rocking in the free world. Have a good week. world. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.